to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500 pages, of the Venerable Maria of Agreda's Mystical City of God. If you would like to discuss today's reading, I invite you to head over to Facebook and to find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to interact with other readers and followers. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agreda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria Vagreda, may we become holy and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Amen. Today is day number 119. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 3, Chapter 19, Paragraphs 243 to 247. Chapter 19. Of some conversations which Most Holy Mary held with her angels in the house of St. Elizabeth, and of others which she held with her cousin. 2.43. The plenitude of the wisdom and grace of Most Holy Mary, being of such immense capacity, could not remain idle at any point of time, nor in any place or occasion. For it gave forth the plenitude of all perfection, active at all times and seasons, to the fullest extent of duty and possibility, without ever falling short of the holiest and the most excellent in virtue. And as, in all places, she acted the part of a pilgrim on earth, and of an inhabitant of heaven, and as she herself was the intellectual and most glorious heaven, the living temple in which God himself had made his habitation, so she also carried with her her own oratory and sanctuary. And in this respect, there was for her no difference between her own house and that of her cousin Elizabeth, nor could any other place, time, or occupation be a hindrance to her in this regard." She was placed above all things, and without any outside claim, she incessantly devoted herself to the influence of the love, which was continually in her sight. Yet at the same time she conversed with the creatures at opportune times, and treated with them according as occasion required, giving as much attention to them, and as the most prudent mistress could fittingly spare for each in particular. And as her most frequent conversings during the three months in which she remained in the house of Zechariah were with St. Elizabeth and with the holy angels of her guard, I shall relate in this chapter something of that which formed the subject of her conferences with them, and also mention other things which happened to her intercourse with the saint. 2.44 When she was left alone and free to herself, our heavenly princess passed many hours ravished and elevated in divine contemplations and visions. Sometimes during these trances, sometimes outside of them, she was accustomed to converse with her angels about the sacraments and mysteries of her interior love. One day, soon after, she had arrived at the house of Zechariah. She spoke to them in the following manner, Heavenly spirits, my guardians and companions, ambassadors of the Most High, and luminaries of his divinity, Come and strengthen my heart, which is captured and wounded by his divine love. For it is afflicted with its own limitations, and that it cannot properly respond to the obligations 
which are known to it, and which dictate its desires. Come, ye supernal princes, and praise with me the admirable name of the Lord, and let us magnify his holy judgments and operations. Help this poor little worm to praise its maker, who condescends kindly to look upon its insignificance. Let us talk of the wonders of my spouse. Let us discuss the beauty of my Lord, of my beloved Son. Let my heart find relief in uniting its inmost aspirations to your own home, my friends and companions. For you do know the secrets of my treasure, which the Lord had deposited within me in the narrowness of so fragile and constrained a vase. Great are these sacraments, and admirable these mysteries, and I contemplate them with sweet affection. But their supernal greatness overwhelms me. The profundity and the greatness of my love overpowers me, even while they inflame my heart. In the ardor of my soul, I cannot rest satisfied, and I find no repose, for my desires surpass all that I can accomplish, and my obligations are greater than my desires. I am dissatisfied with myself, because I do not exert myself as much as I desire, because I do not desire to accomplish as much as I should, and because I find myself continually falling short and vanquished by the greatness of the returns which are due. Ye heavenly seraphim, listen to my loving anxieties. I am fallen sick with love. Canticle 2.5 Open to me your bosoms, once the beauty of my God is flashed forth, in order that the splendors of his light and the visions of his loveliness may replenish this life which wastes away in his love. 2.45 Mother of our Creator and our Mistress, answered the holy angels, thou possessest truly the Almighty and our highest good. Since thou hast him so closely bound to thee, and art his true spouse and mother, rejoice in him, and keep him with thee for all eternity. Thou art the spouse and the mother of the God of love, and as in thee is the only cause and fountain of life, no one shall live with him as thou art queen and mistress. But do not seek to find repose in a love so inflamed. For thy state and condition of a pilgrim do not permit thy love to attain the repose of a perfect consummation nor will it cease to aspire to new and greater increase of merit and triumph. Thy obligations surpass without comparison those of all the nations, but they are to increase and grow continually. Never will they so vastly inflame love equal its object, since it is eternal and infinite, and without measure in its perfection. Thou shalt always be happily vanquished by its greatness, for no one can comprehend it. Only he himself comprehends himself, and loves himself in the measure in which he deserves to be loved. Eternally, O lady, shalt thou find in him more to desire and more to love, since that is required by the essence of his greatness and of our beatitude. 246. In these colloquies and conferences, the fire of divine love was more and more enkindled in the heart of Most Holy Mary. In her was exactly fulfilled the command of the Lord, Leviticus 6.12, that in his tabernacle on his altar should burn continually the fire of the holocaust, and that the priests of the ancient law should see to its perpetual nourishment and maintenance. This precept was executed to the letter in the Most Holy Mary, for in her were jointly contained the altar and the new high priest, Christ our Lord, who nourished and augmented its flame day by day by administering new material and favors, blessings, graces, and communications of his divinity. While the exalted lady on her part contributed her ceaseless exertions, which were ineffably enhanced in value by the continual flow of the graces and sanctity of the Lord. From the moment in which this lady entered into the world, 
this conflagration of his divine love took its rise in order never to be extinguished on this altar through all the eternities of God himself. For as lasting as this eternity and as continuous was and will be the fire of this living sanctuary. 247. At other times she spoke and conversed with the holy angels when they appeared to her in human forms, as I have said in several places. Most frequently, this conversation turned about the mystery of the incarnate word, and in this, she manifested so profound a knowledge inciting the holy scriptures and the prophets that she caused wonder even in the angels. On one occasion, in speaking to them of these venerable sacraments, she said, My lords, servants of the Most High and his friends, my heart is pierced and torn by arrows of grief when I meditate on what the sacred scriptures say of my Most Holy Son or what Isaiah and Jeremiah wrote, concerning the most bitter pains and torments in store for him. Solomon says, Wisdom 2.20, that they shall condemn him to a most ignominious death, and the prophets always speak in a weighty and superlative terms of his passion and death, which all are to be fulfilled in him. O oh, were it the will of his majesty that I live in that time in order to offer myself to die instead of the author of my life. My soul is sorely afflicted in the consideration of these infallible truths, that my God and my Lord should come forth from the womb only in order to suffer. O oh, who will guard him and defend him against his enemies? O oh, tell me, ye heavenly princes, by what services or by what means I can induce the eternal Father to divert the rigor of his justice upon me, in order that the innocent, who cannot have any guilt upon him may be freed from punishment. Well do I know that in order to satisfy the infinite God for the offenses of men, the satisfaction of the incarnate God is required. But by his first act, my most holy Son has merited more than all the human race can lose or demerit by its offenses. Since this is sufficient, tell me, is it not possible that I die in order to relieve him from his death and torments? My humble desires will not be annoying to my God, and my anxieties will not be displeasing to him. Yet what am I saying? And to what lengths do sorrow and love drive me, since I must be subject in all things to the divine will and its most perfect fulfillment? This concludes our reading today for day number 119. We read from paragraphs 243 to 247 from volume 2 of The Mystical City of God. In today's reading, we hear that the Blessed Virgin was often wrapped in contemplation and divine ecstasies and visions and trances and things of that nature. We hear how she converses with the angels, the questions that she answers, the questions that she gives, the answers she receives. She meditates as well. We heard it. When I meditate on what the Sacred scriptures say of my most holy son or what Isaiah and Jeremiah wrote. So she probably doesn't have the scriptures in front of her, but she's heard these words again and again. She heard them when she was that child in the temple. She remembers them now. Maybe she hears them when she goes to synagogue. She's allowing what she's heard to linger in her mind. She reflects on it. Maybe God has divinely inspired her mind to reflect on these things. She meditates. Now for us as individuals who go to Mass on Sundays, and maybe you go every day, well, do we allow the words of sacred scripture to remain with us throughout the day? 
Do we meditate on them, calling them to mind and seeing perhaps how they're inviting us to a change of life? Do we converse with the Lord about the scriptures that we hear? And then Mary says, Oh, were it the will of his majesty that I live at that time in order to offer myself to die instead of the author of my life. My soul is sorely afflicted in the consideration of these infallible truths that my God and my Lord should come forth from my womb only in order to suffer. Now this is interesting because she has this knowledge at the visitation. She's going to hear it again repeated by Simeon in the temple when he offers that child to the Lord. But she already has this knowledge. If only I can live to die instead of the author of my life. Well, in a sense, a part of her dies with Jesus on the cross. And I think as we hear this, we begin to hear the kind of the rumination of that idea of Mary as co-redemptrix, one with the Redeemer, one who cooperates in the work of redemption. And so if you were to listen or read paragraph 247 again, maybe think about that. Well, how is this telling me what Mary will do as the one who suffers with the Redeemer on Calvary? But we also realize the suffering that Mary already experiences as these things are divinely revealed to her. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.